0: A game. Why is it so hard? Why is it that you get in the emotion of it and you just you want to? But really, the whole thing is about you listening to Simon.
1: Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light.
0: We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and I'd like to read that one more time. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, we have so many new folks and some guests today of of those who have been baptized. And, and maybe this will be the first time that you've been in our church for a while or even a church. And you see some worship of God and some praise of God. And you hear testimonies of life transformation. And you just might be questioning, what, what actually is going on? And, and who's this guy? Why is he up here right now? Well, we have an opportunity to be able to share God's Word every week when we meet. And we're in the middle of a book called Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, underneath the guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote certain letters to churches that were either just brand new or just starting. He wrote to a group in Ephesus. A group he was actually really, really close to. A group that we would call, well, did church really, really well. All right? They knew a lot about the Bible. They knew a lot about God. And he wrote a letter. In the first three chapters of this letter, what he did is just poured out his heart saying, I am so grateful for God's grace in my life. I am overwhelmed with God's grace. God's grace is amazing. It's literally changed me. And then the last four chapters, of which we've been spending some time on, well, talk about in light of God's grace. This is how you act. It's because of who Jesus is that you look differently and not you even as an individual but you as a church talking specifically to the Ephesian church so literally if you see these words up on the screen or if you've opened your own flat screens or if you've opened your Bible you probably are shocked maybe some of you have read this before not so shocked and maybe even casual and that's another sermon But if you look at the first few words, like, are you serious? (laughs) Paul writes, he literally says, I want you to keep imitating God. I want you to mimic God. And in all your well, interaction with people. I want you to keep walking in love or keep loving others the way that God or Jesus loved others. Oh. You, you gotta take a breath here. I, I do. This is the standard. I mean, every one of you probably read a little bit about Jesus. So, I'm supposed to look like Jesus. And not only that, I'm supposed to love like Jesus. Let's pray. We're going to need God to do something in our own hearts. Because this is overwhelming i don't want you to leave overwhelmed i want you to leave with wings let's pray father thank you thank you for loving us thank you father that as a church we got to celebrate five people who at one point in their life received you as savior their lives are completely different And I thank you for their testimony. I thank you that that they have shared and proclaimed to everyone. Once they were dead, and now they're alive. We are so grateful, God. We are grateful for what you're doing in us, we're grateful for what you're doing in our church. But, God, as we start off, even these first few verses, if we're honest, it just kind of blows our minds. Would you help us understand what you're saying today? We want to be obedient. We want to hear from you. And God, if we're casual toward these words, would you wake us up? Lord, there's so many churches right now that are, that are proclaiming your word and are worshiping you, not only all over the world and in our country but right here in this neck of the woods. Today, Father, specifically, we pray for the chapel, and we pray for Grace Point, and we pray for Life Spring. And we would ask you, dear God, that you would take your church and make us salt and light in our world. Again, Lord, we are asking your Holy Spirit to be so abundantly active today that you would teach us that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, because that's what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Chuck Swindoll. He's a guy you may not have heard much about, but one of the teachers that I respect. and I'd like to read a quote from him. He says this, The themes of imitating Christ, following his example, walking by the Spirit, are found throughout all of the New Testament. In fact, following Christ in humble submission is the essence of true discipleship. The mandate for living in imitation of Christ is clear. Yet we can't accomplish this imitation of Christ on our own. We need something more than a shallow monkey-see, do Or Simon Says' approach to spirituality in which we try hard to copy Jesus' actions. What we need is a real spirit-empowered transformation in order to be conformed to the image of his Son. Because believers really do have an eternal and irrevocable new life through Christ. They should live out that new daily life in every sphere of their lives through the power of the Spirit. Let's look at imitating God first. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, one of Jesus' apostles, one of the guys that, that lived with him for almost three years, He said this, this is how we know we're living in him. Those who say that they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's God's desire literally for all of his kids, those folks who have come to faith, those who have realized that they are separated from God and because of the cross, And where Jesus paid the debt, we can be reconciled. We can be restored in that relationship. To all those who are part of God's family. What the Apostle Paul is saying here, it's just normal that kids act like their parents. It just does. Don't you see Hallmark cards every once in a while? Or if you don't go to card shops or... Whatever. Uh, You've heard this. You see this one. It's one of my favorite. I opened my mouth the other day and out came my mother. Go, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. i would like, where did that come from? Well, I lived with her for 24 years. Her idiosyncrasies, the different things that she said or thought about. Well, all of a sudden, it just leaks. And I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but it's my mother, you know? And I think this is what Paul is saying right here, is that if kids do life with their parents, they become like their parents. And again, maybe your prayer is even this, hey, Lord, there's a lot of things that probably I don't want my son to imitate. And there's a lot of things my wife does that I think he should imitate. So can you kind of like have my wife influence more or have her take that or, you know, whatever. We want our kids to somehow be mature enough to filter. Well, with God, you don't have to filter. That's how cool it is. And what Paul is saying, if you spend time with God, if you have a relationship with God, if you're intimate with God, you're going to begin to act like God, well, supernaturally. It does make sense, but it still sounds crazy to me and how when I walk into the door, I treat my wife exactly the way Jesus Would treat others. Wow. Well, on our own, it is crazy and it is impossible. Transformation only happens when we spend time with Jesus and by means of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Apostle Paul writes this in a different part of the Bible For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know, in chapter 5, verse 1, Paul's exhortation here, his pleading of imitating God. You all imitate God, or you're imitating God. This is in the middle or passive voice, not exactly sure. But what it does is literally indicate that you're doing this with somebody and that somebody is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can just turn back just a little bit, but I'm not sure. Uh, A few weeks back, we went through Ephesians chapter 3. And starting at verse 16, Paul prays this prayer. It's absolutely an amazing prayer. He's praying for this church. This same letter, these mature Christians, those that know a lot about God, he's saying this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength that comes from his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts and you trust in him. Your roots will grow deep down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you, Paul says to God, on behalf of these Christians, experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What a promise! I promise. God empowers you and I as we walk with Him and listen to the Holy Spirit in order to be complete or mature in God, in order to reflect Him well wherever we go. All glory is to God who is able to accomplish more than we can ask or think. And as I said, when you first read these first few words, and if it doesn't blow your mind, I don't know if you're getting it. But the encouragement is, in just the last part of chapter 3, Paul says, God's able to do way more than you can ask or think. Way more. That's what my spirit does in you. Changes you so completely. In fact, as we go on today, you're going to see transformation that will blow your mind. You see, I think the bar is high for a reason. Because we rely on God then. If someone came up to me and said, hey, Rick, I want you to imitate Michael Jordan. Yeah. All right. How am I going to do this one? Weave it with trick photography, folks. I am not so good. I would never be able to. I couldn't. Impossible. Well, I think, again, there's some of that right here. Looking like God means looking like Jesus and loving others like Jesus. This is an amazing text, and I put it up on on, on front, but this same apostle John writes in John chapter 10. This is a recording of Jesus near the end of his earthly life and he's sharing some truth. And Jesus is talking, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I sacrifice my life for the sheep. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life. Now I'm telling you, One of the things, again, that I have a privilege of doing is walking through with a group of guys as we read the Scriptures. And we came to this text not too long ago, and it just floored me. I said, Rick, don't you read the Bible very much? Uh, Sometimes. But what floored me was this is that in my head, almost all the time when I read this, I'm just thinking, oh, that's just Jesus. He's talking about, you know, being sacrificed. He's going to be hung on a cross. I get it. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for Jesus. And that is part true. But it also tells me how Jesus loves. And that's what was convicting to me. Because after I read that, I said, I don't love like this. Look at it. This is extreme, radical, sacrificial love of a shepherd. Do you realize that? Jesus loved like a shepherd. Sheep. They're not always easy to love. But it's this, a good shepherd sacrifices his life. Now, again, that, that can't be the standard, Rick. I mean, I mean, I know that's for Jesus, and I know Jesus really sacrificed, and Jesus really loved others, but it can't, it can't be the standard, is it? Well, I think it is the standard, because this is how Jesus loved, and this is as we listen to god and allow him to chip away the things that don't make us very loving this is what we're going to look like sacrificial lovers extreme radical lovers of people are are, are you are you getting how impossible this is without spending time with jesus And then here's the killer, John 13, just a little bit later if you open your Bibles. This is right the last few words. We would call this the last supper. We would call this the last message that Jesus gave in his most intimate setting. He said this, right after he washed all the disciples' feet. Now again, we don't need to go into a lot of detail here any way you look at it, it's probably not traditional today. I mean, you're going to go to your Thanksgiving family dinners, and I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a basin, and I'm pretty sure as you walk in, there's not going to be anybody washing the feet. Pretty sure. Now, maybe you do it. I don't know. Back then, this was so important, and a servant would do it. So this is Jesus, John 13, starting at verse 14. And since I, your Lord and teacher, he's talking to his disciples, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you... Wait, whoa, whoa. He's just putting all... Well, just as I have loved you... You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so I asked the question, how did Jesus love? Because I'm wrestling through this. How do, how do you love Jesus? Show me, you loved perfectly. You cared perfectly. What are some of the things you did Because I want to know what I'm going to look like if I walk with you. I'm not looking like it now. And maybe, Lord, you got to keep me around for another 100 years if I'm going to really reflect you well. But first of all, Jesus cared for physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. He literally spent time with his sheep. He didn't just preach and go off. He did life with his disciples and with the people. in this case he literally washed feet now again every one of us love those baby feet right yeah those are cute chubby kinda smell a little like yeah whatever but you take a 65 year old man oh yeah you know where this is going this is not pretty surgeries Calluses. Hmm. Hey, you take some disciples. Jesus was somewhere around 33, somewhere in that area. Okay. Guys a little younger, guys a little bit older. Just sandals. <laughs> Just dirt. Just desert. There's a reason there was a basin out, and its servants washed feet. Jesus did it. And I look at that, and I'm thinking, okay, loving others is uncomfortable. Loving others is inconvenient. Loving others is demeaning. Say, whoa, I love loving people that love me back. I love loving people that deserve it. I love loving people that have really good smelling feet. And we all sign up for it. But Jesus blew her mind. He, he just blew everything out of the water. He, he literally said, I want you to love like I love. It's going to be inconvenient. I have to get on my knees. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't like that. It's going to involve me getting smelly hands. And on top of that, he served or washed a person's feet, who just within minutes, if you want to call it, is going to betray him. Is going to hand him over. I mean, every one of us get betrayed. We get it. But you know what really hurts is when a loved one betrays us. Oh, it's hard. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus washes all the feet, even those that are going to turn on him. He forgave those who hurt him. How, how does that even feather? The, the man has been beat to a pulp. Doesn't even look like a human being. He's up on the cross. And are you like, Father, forgive them. They didn't really even know what they're doing. No. I, no. Bring down 10,000 angels. Fry them. Do something. Don't. Just sit there. Oh, but my request is this. Just forgive them. Well, they, they didn't even ask for forgiveness. Like, whoa, why is it? This is blowing your mind. Is it blowing your mind? I'm like, no. It doesn't work that way in my world. Just a little before this, and we looked in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And Jesus is using the Apostle Paul, but he's writing and trying to describe again a person that walks with God, and he says, Hey, I want you to forgive others like Jesus forgave others. No, 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 no. How about I will forgive others that deserve it? They've showed repentance. They're changing their lives completely. Yes, those are the ones I want to forgive. Forgiveness, listen to this, might be the supreme evidence of God's love. It might also, if we forgive people like that, might also be the most convincing proof of our love. The extent of our love for others is often shown by the extent or our ability to forgive. Let me say it a different way. If you can't forgive anyone, you're not loving them. Whoa. (sighs) And then all of a sudden, your mind goes crazy. You go, well, what about... And we have our list, right? Don't we have our list? Heinous, gross perpetrators. And I don't know. Let's have a conversation. But I know Jesus forgave in ways I just don't forgive. I need that spirit to come in me. I need that spirit to have me see people like he sees people. And the greatest evidence of love, which is forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it, will shout to others that we are Christ followers because nobody does that. Not one person does that normally. No one who's abused, no one who's hurt, no one who's maligned forgives anyone unconditionally. Even more, and this is so cool. We're only in the first two verses, I know, but hang on there. This is getting good, and we're going to start rolling, all right? But what's so cool, not only do we reflect God when we go this direction... But look at that last part of that verse. We become a aroma, a pleasing aroma to God. I, I just do this. Every one of you drive, probably mostly. Well, not everyone. Lily, you do not drive. Okay, most others drive. All right, you're driving down the road. How quickly do you smell a skunk? Oh, and your prayer is, Lord, show me the skunk. I do not want the skunk on my car. It's going to smell like for 50 years. You know? That is not a pleasing aroma. I have never, ever, ever once, you know what? Do you have uh, skunk perfume? Just want to wear it. No, dumb, very dumb illustration. God says, You love like this, you forgive like this, you. Mu- you are a pleasing aroma. You're something I am drawn to. Then Paul, like I said, we're going we're, we're to move quickly now. But So Paul says this. Let me remind you of what loving others actually looks like. Let me remind you what <clears throat> reflecting Jesus to others look like. Starting in chapter 5, look at verse 3. And we've already read some of this. But let me put it in context. Verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now let me just remind you, he is writing to the unbelievably mature church at Ephesus. This should shock you. Oh, church people don't act like this. Well, apparently they do. All right? And there's probably even some in our church that act like this. Now, I'm not asking you to point any fingers. But let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. I've seen stories, foolish talking, coarse jokes, they're not for you. Instead, let there be faithfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. The reason there's no sexual immorality, literally, is because God has an amazing plan. God knows how he's wired us. And he says, hey, I want you to have a wife or a husband that will love you and you can be as intimate as you want with them. That's my plan. And in our world and our way of thinking, we can short skirt God's plan. Every time we screw up with God's plan, it messes us up. I just want you to know. No matter what it is. If you think lying is always better than truth, or sometimes, it never is. It never is. Alright? So, it's selfish. It's self-focused. The whole idea of love is this sacrificial, extreme care for others. Nobody is going to sleep around, hurting spouses or even hurting your potential spouse because of your selfish behavior. Then he goes and he goes impurity. Now, again, there are some germaphobics. Have you ever been around a germaphobe? I am not. Okay. They crack me up. Like, I'm not even sure I wash. No, I wash my hands at certain times. But I, I don't even, like, have I put germ stuff on my hands like three times in my whole life? I don't even know. Okay. But impurity germy things we do. We put in our mind and say. And then he goes a little bit, especially the way we speak. No obscene stories. No foolish talk. No coarse jokes. Now he's not saying don't have fun and laugh. He's actually looking at what we're laughing at. And then the jailbird, Paul, who's in prison at this moment, says this. Our language is one of thanksgiving. Whoa! He writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 14, just a little bit later. He says, don't ever, ever, ever complain or argue. Whoa. No way. One of the most beautiful places, and I've said this before, is to model of no complaining as on a mission trip. And what I've loved to do, especially with high school students, one of the rules no complaining for one week. What? That's complaining. Can't do it. And we're able to, what we eat, the transportation we have. And all of a sudden, we're modeling. You know what? We're going to thank God for this. Thank God for real. Are you? No. I'm just saying. But it's so amazing when our words change to thanksgiving and not complaining. Greed. Greed is idolatry, he says. We worship things of this world. You see, all is selfish, all is self-focused behavior and these actions that the Spirit does not produce in us. Look at verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 of chapter 5. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on everyone who disobey them. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. What Paul is saying is this. Don't be fooled by church people. Who excuse these sins. We're not saying you don't judge these church people. There's another different way to look at that. But he's saying, don't be fooled by people who excuse these sins, who sin like this. They are sins, and sin will be judged. Live as people of light and expose believers who are living in darkness. And again, it's not my job to go confront my neighbor who does not know Jesus or one of my neighbors who don't know Jesus about their lifestyle. They don't know Jesus. I would expect them to be quite idolatrous and selfish and different, maybe. Maybe. But what I would say is this, is that we, as we live in community, in the kingdom, if there's people in our midst who are displaying these actions, loving them is talking to them. Why And some of you say, well, Rick, I don't want to do that. But let me just paint this picture. It affects the body. It affects the person. It affects the kingdom. Because he's writing to us as a church. And as a church, we're reflecting God. And if one of us are not doing a good job reflecting God and are selfish and are bent on selfish behavior, it's going to hurt them, which is not loving. It's going to hurt our community, and it's going to hurt the body because we're not going to be functioning on all cylinders. We're going to have a finger that's not working or a toe that's not working or a kneecap that's not working. That is why being part of community is huge. That's why being part of a cross-point group is huge. There's accountability. You're doing life together with one another. When you're thinking wrong, when you're acting wrong, you've got someone who lovingly will put their arm around you. Let me look at it a different way Pharisees don't do community well unless there's a small group of Pharisees. Pharisees was this group of really religious people, they loved hanging out with themselves. And to be able to applaud their selfish behaviors. I think one of the rich parts of being a family and being a community is to be able to do life together. Because every one of us have blind spots. And sometimes we need arms around us to lovingly talk and to chat and to point. You see, I think there are Pharisee groups And what Pharisee groups do, they hang out, they focus on their goodness, and they talk about the world's badness. That's what a Pharisee group to me is. We're really good. They're really bad. Yikes. Then look at chapter 5, verse 10, which I think almost wraps everything up for us here. Chapter 5, verse 10, just a few words. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And do that. In our silly game in the very beginning, when Simon says it, do that. If Simon doesn't say it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And the only way you're going to always win, and Simon says, is if you're listening to Jesus. So carefully determine what pleases the Lord. There's so many gray areas. Is not there? I am really sure the Internet is not mentioned in the Bible. Really sure. Internet can be amazing. Internet can be absolutely amazing addictive. And then we can add on pornography and everything else that goes on. Do we not use the internet? No. But there are certainly some sites you don't go on. Not healthy at all. Carefully determine what pleases God and do that. Let me just say this. Discipleship and you hear this often if you're part of our community, but discipleship is spending time with Jesus. It's acting like Jesus, and it's helping others on their journey of spending time with Jesus so they can act like Jesus and help others who are spending time in their journey with Jesus. It's multi-generational. How amazing it is To watch great-grandpa work with the generations below. Hoping and handing off truths and principles and encouragements. Folks, I think that's one of the hardest things for me as an older guy to look back. Who haven't I spent time with? What haven't I passed on? What hasn't been healthy? One of the big reasons we had our spiritual boot camp was to literally be able to help people understand what's important so you can start passing it on to peers and to those you work with. How exciting is that? When someday, and you're all going to end there, are in the grave. And right before you breathe your last breath, you said, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting me work with this and this and this and this. Thank you for letting me meet with them. Thank you for letting me pass on the baton. God, I know I'm going to see you. I know glory is going to be amazing. But God, I am so grateful that these people are going to keep the torch going. You want to know how to do that? Let's get together. Let's spend time Let's model for each other. Let's pass the baton well. Now, let me say it this way let's spend time with Jesus, act more like Jesus, and help others on the journey. I had one young person ask me this last week Hey, what do you think I should do? I'm meeting with someone who's younger. And we're talking about discipling. And I gave them the Sunday school answer, yes. Because I believe it. I said, talk about Jesus. What do you mean? Start Matthew, go all the way through John. Open that book and look at Jesus. Oh, you will be so excited. You'll be so convicted. You'll be so empowered. Yes, focus on Jesus. Jesus. He modeled for us perfect intimacy and ministry. He was always, he was the only guy always connected with God perfectly. He knew how to respond. Yes. And then I will end, wow, what an impact our church would make. If all of us would spend a little more time with Jesus, listen to him a little more, be able to pass that on, meeting with a group of people, one, two, five, six, talking about your relationship, your walk, how you're doing, passing it on, passing it on, passing it on. So not only is our group being discipled, but we're being thrust out into a world looking more and more like Jesus. So whether you're working a caterpillar or you're punching the cash register at Walgreens, people are going to see a little reflection of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for the impossible stuff you give us. You want so much more for this church. You want so much more for us. You desire deeply, God, that that we would walk with you intimately and experience abundant life. We know that, God. We do. May we not only, well, allow you to chip us down to an image that will reflect you well, but that we would pass it on. We love you, Jesus. In your name,
1: amen. Amen.